God is so good to us. And I just want to welcome you all here on Palm Sunday. And we are looking at the seven I am's of Jesus. He is telling us who he is. And it is so important that above everything else, we know who Jesus Christ is. I love that. Oh, before we get going, let's have another word of prayer. Lord of Father in heaven, how great, how wonderful, how marvelous you are. We have already felt your presence in our worship this morning. And Lord, we just want you to be with us as we continue to go forward in, in, in this time. And Lord, I pray you would just give me the words to speak your gospel message. Lord, open every heart and every set of ears, Lord. And just be glorified at this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Jesus is introducing himself to us. And I can tell you by way of introduction, my name is Ron Jones. Yeah, so what? But you know, when it comes to introductions, context is key. If you go to the store and you happen to see a fireman, and you say, hello, Mr. Fireman. And he says, well, hello, my name is John Doe. That's nice. However, if your house is burning down and your bedroom is full of smoke and somebody is tapping on the window and you throw open the window in your confusion and say, who are you? And he says, I'm the guy here to save your life. That is how the I am statements of Jesus are him introducing himself to us. And Jesus is here this morning as a first responder to, to rescue us. And if we look next at the I am statements of Jesus, if you notice that each time Jesus says who he is, it's also in relation to how he is saving us. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, it's because we're starving. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, it's because without him we are blind. When Jesus says, I am the gate or I am the door, it is because we need a way. And the way to salvation, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when he says, I am the good shepherd, it is because without him we are wandering and lost. Now today is Palm Sunday. We know that is the time that Jesus rode into Jerusalem. His donkey did not have a warning siren. He did not have flashing lights that were on it, but I bet you if those features were available on Jerusalem Donkey 1.0, Jesus would have flipped the switch because he was coming in on an emergency mission. And we want to meet him this morning. Our scripture, if you would like to follow in your Bibles, if you uh, didn't bring one with you, help yourself to one in the pew there. If you don't have a Bible, feel welcome to take that one as our gift to you. But we want to look this morning in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, where Jesus is introducing himself to us yet again. Very important, because this is going to give us the all-important context of 
Well, it's the secret of life. It's the secret of Christian productivity. It is, it is indeed life or death. I am the true vine. Oh, if y'all want to stand to honor God in the reading of the word, let's do that. He says in verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit, or apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. That's God's word. You may be seated. So we want to look at the three significant things that Jesus is talking in. And there are three. Very easy to see. First, there's the vine. Then there is the vine dresser or the gardener, if you will. And finally, they are, there are the branches. Let's look first at Jesus is the true vine. A very simple statement. But what does Jesus mean when he says that? He is the true vine. Why does he call himself a vine? Well, a fruitful grapevine in the Bible represents the kind of relationship that God wants us to have with Him. We are here for a reason, to glorify and honor God, to be a fruitful vine. And in the Old Testament, that was symbolic of Israel. In Psalm 80, the psalmist says, talking about God, you brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade. The mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. So that was the vine, or a vine. But Jesus said he was the true vine. Was Israel a true vine? The nation of Israel indeed symbolized themselves with the grapevine. We remember when the spies went into the promised land and they brought back the great cluster of grapes 
that took two men to carry. In the Maccabean period, uh, they fashioned a, a, a great ornament of a golden bowl of grapes, and, and this became a symbol for Israel. But unfortunately, Israel did not live to its potential. Here God planted them, but yet they did not produce the fruit he wanted. In fact, in Isaiah 5, it says, My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it, and he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. So Israel could not be the true vine. They could not or would not live in the type of covenant relationship that God wanted. He wanted them to be fruitful. He wanted them to live in righteousness. He wanted them to love one another. But yet, they would not abide in God. They failed. So here Jesus is introducing himself to us. He says, I am the true vine. He is true because he has kept to his purpose. He never sinned against God. He never produced wild grapes. The fruit that Jesus brought was always what God the Father intended. So Jesus is the true vine. So Jesus is the true vine. And let's look next. What's next? Jesus is the vine. The Heavenly Father is the gardener. He is the gardener. Now, look around when you're going about on this beautiful spring-type weather we're having and you're seeing all the flowers bloom and the trees begin to break forward with green leaves and all of this beauty. Tell me that God does not have a green thumb. God is the best gardener there is. God loves to grow and plant living things. That's why we're here. He created this universe. He made all the wonders that we see. He is the ultimate gardener. In the beginning, he created our parents, Adam and Eve. He put them in the most beautiful garden this world has ever seen, the Garden of Eden. He is a gardener. Now, gardeners do two things. The Heavenly Father does two things in his gardening role. One is he plants. Obviously, you have to plant a garden. And the other is he prunes. Jesus says, I'm the true vine. The Heavenly Father is the gardener, the vine dresser. He's planting and he's pruning. Now remember that Jesus is introducing himself to us because he is a first responder that's saving us. Only God can plant and make things grow. Ultimately. When it comes to spiritual life, only God can give life and create a relationship that He wants where we are one with Him. Well, we are acceptable with Him. Only God can plant that. And see, people do not realize 
that they have to be part of this picture or they're left out in the cold. Because the world has this attitude that we can plant ourselves. The world has this idea that I'll just plant myself and I'll grow. Why do I need God? Why do I need Jesus? Jesus, what have you done for me? Well, he's trying to tell us. But don't begin to think that in your self-sufficiency that you can be good enough to plant yourself in God's garden and expect that all on by yourself that you're going to live a life that's righteous enough with God. I don't care how many times you say, I'm going to start you, I'm going to quit this bad habit, I am going to start this good habit, oh, I'm going to do good, I'm going to love people, and I'm going to be acceptable to God planted over here by myself and growing up to God. Do you know what gardeners call plants that volunteer and grow by themselves in the garden? Y'all, what do you call them? Weeds. Don't weeds grow tall? Don't weeds grow pretty? If you just look at how green they are, don't, you don't have to fertilize them. You don't have to do nothing. They just grow. Well, what happens to weeds? Mm, it's not so good. Jesus said, Every plant in Matthew 15 and 13, he answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Guess what, weeds? The days are numbered. Though you can plant yourself in this world, you can forget about God, you can do your own thing. Oh, you might feel like you're growing so productively. Everything is fine, but there is coming a judgment day when God looks and says, I didn't plant that here. What's it doing here? And it is going to be ripped up and burned. You can't plant yourself and expect to have eternal life in the garden of God. It just cannot happen. So what has Jesus done for us? Jesus is the vine and the Father is the gardener. God is glorified and will do whatever it takes to make his garden grow in a beautiful way. Now God made us. Do you know that before you were born, when you were in your mother's womb, that he knew you? Isn't that amazing? We wait eagerly for our children to be born, but you know God's already met them. And he gives us life and he brings us into this world. And church, what he wants more than anything is for you to have an abiding relationship of eternal life in him. But Jesus is saying as he introduces himself to us that he is the true vine and there is only one way that we can be in that relationship with him. The gardener plants and he prunes. Part of pruning is taking away the bad branches. But this brings us to the third and the last part of this picture that Jesus is painting. That he is the true vine. He alone did not sin. He was, he was planted on this earth for a purpose. He rode into Jerusalem with a purpose. 
He suffered and died on that cross for a purpose. He was raised from the dead on the third day for a purpose. God the Father is the gardener. And we are the branches. And this is so key. Let me make it simple for you. Everybody is a branch. Everybody in this world, everybody who has ever been born is some kind of branch. We are a branch because we cannot plant ourselves. We are a branch. And there are only two kinds of branches. Only two. Everybody in the world will fall under one of these two categories as a branch, as a living human being. It's what you are. You are a branch. But you are either dead wood, dry, dead, fit for nothing but firewood, or you are a living branch rooted in the true vine. One or the other. That's it. There's no other vine that you can plant or fix yourself to. There's no way you can plant yourself. If you want to be alive today, you have to abide in Jesus Christ, and that is the end of the story. Because there are only two kinds of branches. The dead wood and the living branches. Now, how do we tell the difference between the two? How do we tell the difference between what is a dead wood what is just a dry branch attached to nothing, and what is someone who is truly planted in Jesus Christ, as I hope and pray we all are this morning. Well, I can tell you a lot of ways that will not help you figure that out. First of all, first of all, just because you are in the garden does not mean you are abiding in the vine. We have weeds in the garden, right? People falsely believe that going to church somehow is the same thing as abiding in the vine. It is not. It's not enough to simply be in the garden. That does not get you there. Being next to the vine, does that bring eternal life? To be right up on it, maybe even intermingled in the branches. A lot of people will tell you they know about Jesus. I know the vine. I know about Jesus. I know who he is. I heard about him in Sunday school. Maybe I even went to church a few times. But you see, there's a big difference between just being a dry stick up in the vine and actually being a part of the vine. Maybe you are uh, so good at camouflage that you can convince all the other branches that you are another branch. Maybe you can say, well, look at me. I come to church. I put my dollar in the offering plate. I shook the big can said, you did a good job. Be a branch, right? You might fool the other branches. You might fool the preacher even. 
But the gardener, guys, he's been in the business too long to be fooled. You're not going to fool God. You might fool yourself. You might fool your family. You might fool your other church members. But God knows who are his. God knows because there is a big, big difference in whether you are plugged into the vine, whether that life that is in that vine is also coursing through you, whether you are sharing in the nature of the vine. Oh, that is all the difference in the world. All the And this story that Jesus is telling us, this comparison, I am the vine, my father is the husbandman, and you are the branches. You see, it's life and death because if you're not part of the vine, he says you're going to be gathered up like firewood. Gathered up like firewood. Now you might say to yourself, well, maybe I'm not part of the vine, but I'm a piece of wood. It ought to be good for something, right? I mean, after all, we make furniture, chairs. You know, wood has all kinds of useful benefits. But let me tell you something. The wood that is part of a vine, that, that vine type wood, is not good. You don't but you can't build stuff out of that. In Ezekiel 15. Lord told Ezekiel, he says, Son of man, how does the wood of the vine surpass any wood, the vine branch that is among the trees of the forest? Is wood taken from it to make anything? Do people take a peg from it to hang any vessel on? Behold, it is given to the fire for fuel. When the fire has consumed both ends of it and the middle of it is charred, it is, use, is it useful for anything? And of course the answer is no. The dry, dead wood can't be used for anything. But the other side of the coin is the secret for every good thing as Christians that can apply to us. It is the secret for how we live as Christians. It is the golden key that makes bringing fruit for God possible. And that is Jesus said, abide in me. Abide in me. Be a part of me. Now people treat being a Christian sometimes like they're little butterflies. And Jesus is a flower. And I'll flit, flit around and I'll land on Jesus quick enough to get a blessing then I'm off again. And I fly around and fly around and then maybe I'll come next Sunday get another little sip and I'll go. Abide means to live. You live in your house because you stay there. We are to live in Jesus. We are to be uh, integrated into him. We are to, uh, our very essence, our very life is because we are plugged into Jesus. We're part of the vine. If we are abiding in him, now, what part of that Fruitfulness is our own doing. How much of it can we take credit for? Well, I'm just a fabulous branch. Now, some of us branches might be a little thicker than others. But still, I'm never going to produce fruit apart 
from God. Why? Because He's the vine. He's the one that all my life is coming from. The second you pull me away from Him is the second I start to wither and die. Because He is the vine. And you see, if we abide in Him, that right there is all we need to grow. Is When we start to abide in Him, He says, he says, abide in me. Let my words abide in you. Because when we abide in Christ, there is a give and take. And we are becoming one with him. His words abide in us. Lest you think that being the branch, a branch even in the vine is all fun and games. Remember the gardener has got pruning shears. And what is he doing? He's pruning. Snip, snip. Is he doing that to be mean? No. The scripture says he's pruning so we can be more fruitful. What is he cutting away? He's cutting away that part of you that starts to fill up with pride when somebody says, good job, and you say, ooh, good idea. Nip. He's pruning that part of you that has those nasty thoughts and attitudes about others. I can't believe Sister So-and-so said that about me. What's wrong with her? Blah, blah, blah. Nip. Y'all, you got to admire God for all the stamina he has to have to continually keep us through. Because in our flesh nature, we will grow all kinds. If we're left alone, we're going to be a wild vine like Israel became. But the Heavenly Father says, oh, no, you don't. You are rooted in the precious vine, my son. I'm going to prove you to the extent you will bring forth fruit. And if it means you have to lose something you thought was good, you have to part with something that you don't need. I don't care how much you like it. That's not fruitful. Snip, snip. How does he do that? He told his disciples, already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. And that word clean is a synonym in Greek for fruit. His word. This is the, these are the pruning shears right here. The two-edged sword that can slice between the spirit and the soul, the very word of God. If, if Christ's word is abiding in you, it is going to snip you like crazy. You think a paper cut is bad? Get cut by God's word. But it is a life-giving cut because it is going to keep you alive and it is going to make you fruitful. But you have to abide in him. And that attitude we abide in as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in you. Oh, that is a nasty word to us sometimes. Obedience. If you love me, Jesus, keep my commandments. Obey. God is calling us, church, to obedience. That means he is convicting us of everything in 
us that does not glorify his name. And I bet if I handed out slips of paper and I said, write something down that the gardener needs to snip, you could think of an area in your life where you're not being obedient to him. And he wants to prove that from us because he wants us to be fruitful. He says the Father is glorified if we bear much fruit. And then he says something else that is so amazing to me. He says if we are abiding in him, and if we are keeping his commandments, he says, he says we can ask Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. What do you wish? Now, let me get it straight for you. This is not prosperity gospel. This is not saying, Lord, I wish I had a new car. Wouldn't that glorify you? The Lord says, I thought I snipped that out. No, because if we are in the true vine, what are we going to grow? Are we going to grow tomatoes? Are we going to grow just whatever we wish? No, because the very nature of of the vine commands us to bear the kind of fruit that we are planted in. And we are part of the vine. So we want to wish our desire should be, Lord, make me fruitful in your will for your kingdom. And if we are truly in the vine, that's going to be our wish. And you know what that wish is, church? That is the life of God moving in you. And God wants you to be successful and fruitful and abundant in Him and producing fruit and glorifying Him. God doesn't want you to be average. God doesn't want you to be mediocre. God doesn't want you to be a downtrodden and unproductive person. He wants that fruit of love, the fruit of obedience, and all of those things to grow in you in abundance. Because you know what? When you're fruitful in Christ, Jesus and the heavenly, they're tickled pink. Just like any gardener who has an abundant crop. Oh, they're proud of that. And the Lord is putting his, his literally his blood, sweat, and tears. The blood was on the cross. And why is he doing that? Because he wants us to be alive in him, to be fruitful and to grow. He wants us to desire that hillside church. He wants us to grow in him. He wants us to just be magnificent. And you know what happens? When we as vines begin to be productive and people are going to come by And you know what they're going to say? Are they going to say, what a glorious branch. That sure is a good branch to have all that fruit on. They're not going to say that. They're going to say, look at the vine. What a great vine that is. My, how skilled the gardener is to have cultivated this vine with these branches. If we truly bear fruit, the glory will naturally flow to God. I'll tell you, first, this is the only way to live. 
The only way to live is to abide in Christ. The only way to be successful. I don't want to be firewood. I don't want to be good for nothing but to be kindling wood in hell. And the Lord doesn't want that for you either. He wants you to be fruitful. And I don't care how old you are. As long as you are plugged into that vine, there is fruit that he is working to bring. Now we might fight against it. We might aggravate God half to death, but he is a patient God. He wants you to be perfect. He wants you to be true. He wants you to desire. He wants that fruit, the joy and the love and the peace and all of the spiritual fruit to blossom in your relationship so that the you you are when you come to church and you're smiling and praising God is the you that you are in your house when Wifey burns the bacon. Or one of the young is aggravated. Because the nature of Christ is to love and produce freedom. Our time of invitation is this. Jesus has introduced himself to us. He is divine. And he's telling us that because it's important. He's the first responder. He's like, I don't want you guys to be burned up as firewood. You can abide in me and produce fruit and have eternal life. If there's anybody here, you know you're not abiding in Christ. But you know your life is dry and you're spiritually miserable. And you know maybe I fool people. You don't have to go. This altar is open. Or maybe you are in the vine and you know you're saved, but you say, you know, Lord, I, I, I wish I would quit fighting against you and, and be on your side for once. Bring the scissors in. I might not like it, but Lord, I want you. As our musicians come, it is time to lead us in an invitation. I invite you to look inside. Is the Holy Spirit dealing with you today? Is God saying, I want to be more fruitful in your life? Chad or I or, or one of our care and prayer members would be happy to pray with you. But don't stay in that sin. Jesus is the true vine. The Heavenly Father is the guardian. Let's be the best. Lord in heaven, we love you and we thank you. Because Lord, Father, your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, who rode into Jerusalem. Father, first responder to save us from our sins, Lord, the true vine. Lord, we want to live in you. We want to abide in your love. We want to grow more and more fruit each and every day. Father, I pray you would open every heart in this time of invitation. And Father, we are just so thankful and so so blessed that you loved us enough to send your son to die for us. And we just thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.